This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back, my friends. Uh, welcome back to the Worth Recovery Podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, welcome back to the Worth Recovery Podcast. Uh, uh, my name is Amy. I'm your host here. I'm excited to be with you for part two of Gaslighting. I'm also a sex addict, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. And uh, I just barely ended recording um, our previous episode uh, where I shared with you a little bit about gaslighting and what it is, where it comes from, my experience with it in a particular relationship with Steve. And I realized that I just talked way too much and I didn't get through all of the things I wanted to tell you, um, especially the good parts about like, how do I know if I'm in a relationship with gaslighting? Um, what are some of the tactics? What are some of the strategies that people that gaslight use? Um, and then also, how do I get out? Right? Because those are the three questions. How do I know if that's what's going on? How do I, um, what are the tactics that they're using? And then how do I get out? Because those are the three major questions we need to answer when we explore something like this. Uh, because we don't want to stay in those relationships. We don't want to stay being trapped in those relationships um, and having someone else have the power over us. So, uh, okay, let's just dig right in since you already have the background. If you don't have the background, you probably want to go back and listen to the previous episode, 142, about gaslighting part one. Uh, that will really set the stage for what we're going to talk about. But I'm just going to jump right in because I am ready to go. So first, how do I know if I'm in a relationship with someone who's gaslighting me? Now, maybe you really related to some of the things that I shared about my relationship with Steve and Maybe you're listening to that and you're thinking, oh, wow, that is what's going on for me. And I just want to also point out a few things that there, there's a, obviously a spectrum, right? People can be gaslighting you and not know that that's happening, right? Covert, maybe they're not aware of that. Um, it also could be overt, maybe they are aware, right? But also it could be slight gaslighting, it could be intense, it could be different stages. There's definitely a spectrum here. And so maybe you're at the beginning phases with a relationship and, and, and you're really starting to recognize some things or your gut is telling you that there's something wrong here. Trust your gut. There's probably something wrong there, right? Um, but maybe you're, you know, really deep into it and you're listening to this and you're getting defensive and you're saying, no, I'm not being gaslit. That's not happening to me. Okay. Like that's where you're at. You know, like I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not here to argue with you. And I'm not here to get lost in the details of, of that. Just know that it can happen in severe, in um, different severities. And it's usually something that happens over time. Like I explained in my relationship with Steve. Um, the two years in, right, when my gut started to tell me like there's something going on here. It was subtle at first. And as I tried to put some of those examples together, he could easily talk me out of that. And then it got severe so that eight years down the road when he tells, or seven years down the road when he tells me, oh, P.S. I'm married, right? And our whole relationship is a fraud. 
uh, I still couldn't let go of that. And I defended him and, and got caught in that because of the power that he had over me in that relationship. So just recognize that it's a spectrum. Okay. Here are some signs. These come from uh, the National Domestic Violence Hotline. So there's a National Domestic Violence Hotline. If you didn't know that, you should know that. Um, and they have a lot of different articles on the website. It's called, it's just, the website's just thehotline.org, thehotline.org. And, uh, this, oh, oh, I should, I always forget sometimes. This is a United States national hotline, right? Okay. For the U S and they have some really great ideas and things on there about abuse and different types of abuse. And they have an article on gaslighting and they have listed on there. Um, what are the signs? My partner is gaslighting me. Okay. And these signs are written by Robin, Robin Stern, um, who's a psychologist and has a book out about gaslighting. I haven't read the book, but all the reviews say it's awesome. So in case you're interested. Um, however, here's the list, right? What are the signs? My partner is gaslighting me. So here's a list. You are constantly second guessing yourself. You ask yourself, am I too sensitive? Multiple times a day, multiple times a day. You often feel confused and even crazy. You're always apologizing to your partner. You can't understand why with so many apparently good things in your life that you aren't happier. You frequently make excuses for your partner's behavior to friends and family. You find yourself withholding information from friends and family so you don't have to explain or make excuses. History of my relationship with Steve. You know something is terribly wrong, but you can never quite express what it is, even to yourself. That one is a huge one. I I hear a lot of women say that. Like, I know in my body that there's something wrong, but I don't know what it is. I can't say that. You start lying to avoid put downs and reality twists. This might be like you lie about where you were, you lie about, you know, really innocent things just so that you don't feel like they have power or um, can twist your reality. You have trouble making simple decisions. You have this sense that you used to be a very different person, more confident, more fun-loving, more relaxed. You feel hopeless and joyless. You feel as though you can't do anything right. You wonder if you are a, quote, good enough partner. These are some of the signs that you might be in a relationship with a gaslighter. Now, I also want to just recognize that gaslighting is not exclusive to a um, romantic partner type relationship. This can occur between a parent and a child. In fact, I've seen that. I'm going to give you an example. This can occur between um, a manager and an employee, right? There are coworkers even. I mean, anytime you have a relationship, you have the possibility of being in that relationship with someone who might use gaslighting as a technique to control you. I've seen this happen a lot uh, with parent-child relationships. Um, I taught high school for a number of years and dealt with a lot of children. I was a band director and so I got to know a lot of kids and their parents and were exposed to a lot of their family relationships because we went on trips and traveled together and because we were constantly doing things together as a band. And so I got to know a lot of different things and I would see these different, you know, parents um, interact with their children and the different ways that they happen, you know, and uh, I once witnessed um, a daughter just get tore a young 
I think she was a 10th grader, get torn apart for her grades. Okay. Now, I knew that this girl suffered from anxiety. I knew that she was constantly worried about grades. She was constantly worried about being good enough academically. Uh, she was just constantly worried about so many different things. And I, you know, she came home or she had her report card and she didn't get straight A's. She got, I think it was two B's if I'm remembering right. And I watched her dad like take her apart, like just raging, um, calling her names, uh, calling her super inappropriate names, telling her she was never going to amount to anything, telling her that she was never going to be successful, um, you know, just on and on and um yeah, it was, it was horrible to watch. It was horrible to watch. And I remember she knew that I had seen it. And so she came, we talked about it. And I remember saying to her, like, you know, how, how can you put up with that? Like, have you ever asked him or confronted him about it? And she said, yeah. And he told me I was just being too sensitive that, you know, that he wasn't trying to be mean. He was just trying to prepare me for real, the real world. And, and I was just, oh, furious, you know, but that is a, that's an example of like gaslighting, right? Like I'm not being mean to you. I'm preparing you for the real world, you know, like you're just too sensitive. Like these are things that are going to happen to you in the quote real world when you get out there and I'm just preparing you for that. And, and that's just, I mean, that's just simply not true. He was definitely brutalizing emotionally, mostly brutalizing her and, and changing, you know, distorting her reality. Plus two Bs. Come on. You know, like, let's be real. That's great grades. So it can occur in different types of relationships. But that's the list, right? You're guess second guessing yourself. You're asking yourself if you're too sensitive. Again, this person, whoever's gaslighting you, is digging away at your reality. M. Scott Peck told us that mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. And what the gaslighter is trying to do is to take away your reality. So anytime you start questioning that, I'm crazy. Why aren't I happier? You know, there's something going on, but I can't tell what it is. And so I must be crazy, right? I, I start to not trust myself. I start to not be able to even make really simple decisions because I don't trust myself, right? I start to feel like I'm not the person I was before. I'm hopeless or I'm less confident. Um, and also, I feel like I can't do anything right. Those are definite signs that, that you might be in a relationship with a gaslighter. As they tear away at your reality, there are some definite um, strategies that they use. And again, I don't know how aware people are that this is what's going on for them, but there's some definite things that, you know, definite tactics that they use when they're gaslighting, okay? So I've got a list here. I'm going to share some of them with you um, that I have found. I've got seven of them, it looks like, that, uh, that have worked, you know, that I've seen in my experience and also in some of the reading and research that I've done and, and in recovery, the things I've learned. So the first one is, right, just flat out lying and exaggerating. Uh, the gaslighter creates this like negative narrative about the person that they're gaslighting. Basically, they're saying like there's something wrong and inadequate with you. And this is usually based on like massive assumptions, falsehoods, you know, 
all sorts of things, but they just flat out lie. And then also they exaggerate. Um, they exaggerate. My grandma was famous for her exaggerations. We used to talk about it as a family, but, uh, that see, like I told you, like usually you're the victim first before you perpetuate this behavior, right? Gaslighting was definitely something in my family that happened quite a bit. Um, in extended family as well. This is like a generational thing for me. So there's the lying, the flat out lying and the exaggeration. Um, and part of that lying can be withholding, right? So maybe they uh, pretend that they don't understand or they refuse to listen or and don't share their emotions, won't share their emotions with you, right? Um, some of the things that they might say, you know, from my experience, I'm not listening to that crap again tonight. Like, I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it, right? I'm not listening to you. So they're just like, again, shutting down your reality. Or sometimes, you know, they'll say things like, you're just trying to confuse me. You're just talking in circles and you're just trying to confuse me and you're acting like you're so smart, but you really don't know what you're saying because you're just, you're just talking in circles and you're just confusing me. I hate that when people tell that to me or say that to me, um, because that's a tactic. That's a lying. That's a withholding tactic, right? Like they're withholding themselves. They're withholding information from you as well. Um, another technique that they might use is called countering. Um, I've heard that's termed countering, but basically it's like you go to them with something, you're questioning something, right? Um, and rather than listen to you, hear you, validate you, they just attack you. This happens a lot. I've seen in workplaces. I had a manager like this. So I would go in and, you know, say like, Hey, I am struggling with blah, blah, blah. Right. And they would totally flip it around and attack me. Um, I'm trying to think of an exact example to try to make it a little bit more concrete for you. Oh, here's one. So one time, this was, I was the manager. I was an office manager of a staffing company. And I had to go into an employee and call them out on some behavior that was going on that was unacceptable. So they were flirting with some of our uh, employees that were coming in. And anyway, just wasn't really great. So I sat down to have, you know, a, uh, just a quick conversation. It wasn't even that bad. It happened like twice that I had seen, but I just wanted to put a stop to it before it went further. And so I sat down with him. His name was Josh and just said, hey, Josh, like I noticed that this happened, you know, when these two different women came in to our office. And I just need to let you know that we can't we can't have that kind of behavior going on. We definitely can't be asking for numbers. <laughs> That's what happened on the second one. And we need to make sure that, you know, that we're very professional in our behavior. And immediately he turned around and attacked me and was just like, well, I know that you want my number. I was like, I don't want your number. And he's like, I know you've been, I am like, I have not been eyeing you, you know? And he just like started attacking me. He's like, you're just projecting, you know, you wish it was me that you wish I was asking you for your number. I'm like, no, that is not this at all. Right. But he just started attacking me. And by the time we were done, I was apologizing and he was upset right? And this shouldn't have gotten that far. <laughs> but it's one of the tactics that gaslighters use, right? Is that they counter. They flip the argument and make you the problem. Sometimes they say things like, well, you, you're not remembering that correctly. This is, this is your fault. Like, you, that's not what I said, right? Or um, I have seen this happen um, 
where, you know, you make plans or like, hey, let's get together. And and then someone says, no, I, I told you I wasn't available that day. And you're like, no, you did say you were like in your text. It says you were available. No, that's not that's not what I said. Yeah, you did say no, I can't do it that day. And again, they're like flat out lying, right? Encountering and telling you like, you aren't remembering correctly. You were wrong last time. Um, or they, you know, just attack your viewpoint. You see everything in a negative way. You obviously, you know, have never believed me. So it doesn't matter what I say. Right. And again, they're making you the problem. That's gaslighting when they're making you the problem and start chipping away at your reality. Um, another way, sometimes I've heard this like called blocking or deflecting or diverting. And it's again, very similarly, right? They're trying to deflect the argument um, that you're making and talk about something different. Um, They might, but again, they're making you the victim. So they might say things like, don't say that. Like, that hurts me. You're hurting me. You're hurting me on purpose, right? Or the famous one for women is just like, quit bitching about things. Like, you know, I bring home the money. You just need to quit bitching. This is just how it goes. Um, and they're diverting or deflecting rather than answering your questions or rather than talking to you about things, they might call you crazy. Um, another strategy that they use is trivializing, uh, trivializing. That's how you say it. Trivializing. I wrote it down, right? Trivializing. So what that means is they're going to take your concern, uh, your, your emotions, right? Whatever it is. And they're going to trivialize them and make them meaningless. Um, it might be something like, <laughs> you're going to let something like that come between us. Like just cause you are, are suspicious about something. You're going to let that come between us or because you were hurt when I said something like you're going to let that become a problem between us. Right. And basically, they're taking your feelings, your reality, how you feel, and they're diminishing it. They're trivializing it so that, again, you start losing touch with your reality and you start to question yourself and you're like, maybe that wasn't a big deal. Maybe I need to just buck up, right? Maybe maybe I am too too sensitive. Maybe that's not the worst thing that could happen, right? Um, and that's another tactic that they use. Well, that's not the worst thing that could happen. Like, you know, that's very small on the scale of problems, blah, blah, blah. Right. And they're trivializing your reality. Um, another one that came up a lot for me, uh, this particularly came up in, um, a relationship I had or, a uh, employer employee relationship, um, with one of the jobs I live, I was in. And it's just this like abusive forgetting or denial, And this is where like, they just, you know, forget or deny that they said something or that, you know, anything, anything happened, right? Um, They'll maybe just say like, you're making that up. You're just flat out making that up. You know, I don't have to take this, right? Or what are you talking about? I never said that. Or the other one that goes underneath here is like, you misunderstood me. You misunderstood me. That's not what I said. That's not what I said. You misunderstood that. You know, and really demeaning you and question, getting you to question your own reality. Sometimes they'll even like mock you for your wrongdoings and your misperceptions. Like you always misunderstand me. You never get it right. These are things that, that they might say 
to, again, to chip away at your reality. The whole point here is they are trying to control you. Gaslighting is a control a, a control technique that people use. Now, again, it can be minimal or it can be severe. And if it's severe, you might be dealing with something more than just gaslighting. You might be dealing with a sociopath or narcissistic personality disorder, which we're going to talk about in an upcoming episode about narcissism for sure. I have that one already recorded. So that one's coming up. But these tactics are all about getting you to question your reality so that they can control you. Because what they need is you. They need you. They need you to validate themselves. They need to be able to have power over you. So whether that's however however you want to call it, right? Whether you want to call it lying, trivializing, blocking, diverting, countering, withholding, right? Um, maybe it's repetition. Uh, sometimes, I was just going through my notes here, I saw these other ones, repetition or escalation. Another big one is wearing out the victim, right? So they'll just over and over again, say, uh, be on the offensive. So they're constantly battling with you. And so you just give up. You're just like, I don't want to deal with this, right? You start to question not just your own reality, but like your own identity. And you don't want to want to be there. Uh, you don't definitely don't want to be in that relationship. And they just kind of wear you out to the point where you just give in and do everything that they say. Because you don't trust yourself and you don't know where to go from there. And that's the biggest problem with gaslighting is that you begin to be isolated because you don't trust yourself. So a lot of information there. Um, I hope that that was helpful. Let's now talk about what do you do? What do you do about it? Right? What do you do if you're in a gaslighting relationship? What do you do about it? So this list of things to do about it comes just from my own experience and my own way out. Okay. Um, I found a couple things, you know, where people talk about how to get out, but I felt like they were um, kind of ambiguous. <laughs> and I'm all about concrete action here. Like, what am I going to do today? Okay. So the first thing you're going to do, the very first thing that you're going to do is you're going to name the problem. You're going to call it what it is. This is gaslighting. And if you can't say that out loud because of the person that you're in a relationship with, that just doesn't work for you right now. That's fine. Just say it inside, right? The boundary starts internally and you say to yourself, this is gaslighting. Call it what it is. Okay. Call it what it is. The second thing for me that really started to help was to validate my own reality. I gave myself permission to feel what I needed to feel, to say it, to feel it, right? Even if they say I was wrong, even if they called me crazy, I would say it and I would feel it. And sometimes I didn't say it out loud. Sometimes I didn't even tell the other person, but I would say it out loud somewhere, usually in my car, driving home from work. <laughs> Or while I was driving around Lake Washington in, in Seattle um, and crying or trying to, you know, talk myself off, off the cliff for whatever reason. But you say it and you feel it. And you say, this is, this is the reality. I am angry. I am hurt. 
I am pissed off, right? Like whatever it is, but you say it and you feel it and you give yourself permission. And sometimes I would say, I give myself permission to be angry. I give myself permission to feel frustrated. I give myself permission to feel sad, right? And I, I would say those things out loud. You have to start saying it and feeling it and validating your own reality. Emotions are just emotions. They're not going to kill you. They're not going to drown you. They're going to come and they're going to go. But if I don't start validating them when they come in, then I'm not going to make any progress in processing them. And they're just going to get trapped inside, which is part of the problem. Okay, the next is you start to build a reality circle. Okay, so this, like, honestly, <laughs> this is these are some of the mental things I do, right? So, like, I would picture kind of like a hula hoop, like a circle around me on the ground, right? And I'd be like, in this circle, I'm only going to experience reality. And I would not allow people into that circle who could not live in reality with me. Um, if you couldn't live in reality with me, you don't get you don't get access to that circle. And at first, the circle was really small. It was just me. And then I started to extend that a little bit. Like I learned to trust my therapist so my therapist could be in my circle with me, right? I learned to trust my sponsor so my sponsor could be in that circle with me. I learned to trust, when I say that, I learned to trust that they were living in reality, right? That they would live in reality with me. Um, And so I slowly started to build this circle of people that were living in reality. Not everyone in my 12-step circle got access to that, right? Not everyone in 12 steps is, is living in reality. You know that probably as well as I do. But I started to build this small circle of reality. And the, the more that that became real for me, the more that I could validate myself, the more trust that I had in other people, the more I saw other people living in reality, the less tolerance I had for people that didn't want to live in that reality circle that wanted to live in fantasy or that wanted to gaslight me. Right. So yeah, it took me a year to finally let go of Steve all the way, but that's because I didn't have, you know, a circle at first. Right. But the more circle I built, the more I realized, oh, he's not living in reality. I I can't live there. I can't live in fantasy. Like I need to live in reality. And so I started to build this reality circle. Okay. The third, the fourth thing, that's, that was the third thing, right? So one was I started to name the problem, call it what it is. Second, I started to validate my own reality. This is real. This is not real. This is how I feel. I don't care what you think. This is still how I feel. I'm allowed to feel that way, right? I'm not saying you're the cause of it. I'm just saying this is how I feel. And I started to validate my own reality. Next, I started to build that tribe, that circle, right? That reality circle. These were people that I could get opinions from. These are people I could bounce ideas off of. And I started to build that circle of reality around me. Next, started to come the sacrifice, okay? And this was the this was the hard part for me. But I started to have to sacrifice some relationships. And I started to have to sacrifice people in my life that were not willing to live in reality. Remember, M. Scott Peck says that um, mental health is the re- commitment to reality at all costs. All costs, right? 
not like, you know, there's not just like a certain price you have to pay. It's got, you got to be willing to pay everything. Okay. And that, that's hard. That's really hard, especially for those of us that are love addicts and sex addicts that have intimacy disorders that have lived, that have lived a lot of our life in fantasy or looking for a rescuer or looking for a cosmic lover or using um, sex as an escape from life. If that's been our life, if that's been our quote reality, and now we start to build a new reality, we start to realize that there's going to be sacrifices we have to make. Some of that sacrifice was internal. Um, I had to commit. I had to add, I added to my bottom line that I would not initiate fantasy, that I would not initiate sexual fantasy. Uh, that was a big sacrifice for me and I had to really be diligent. I still have to really be diligent about that whole fantasy piece. I cannot, I cannot afford to live in fantasy at all, period. I need to live in reality. It also meant I had to sacrifice some relationships. It doesn't mean you call your friend and you're like, hey, dude, you live in denial and I can't live there anymore. So we can't be friends. That's not what that means. But it does mean that you start spending less time with them. And maybe it starts meaning, maybe it's, maybe, and maybe it means that you start talking more reality with them and less denial. And maybe it means that you even use that word. Hey, I think you're living in a little bit of denial. Like we got to live in reality. Um, And that was part of that healing that you go through when you come out of an abusive gaslighting relationship is you start to live in reality and less in denial. And then you start to get to the point, which is kind of where I feel now, um, most of the time. I still struggle, right? I mean, progress, not perfection is the goal. You start to get to the point where people can't really gaslight you anymore. Um, and And that's because your commitment to reality is so strong that you start to see the behavior for what it is. And and you start to see their need for, for it to control you. And as they say things, and you know that that's not true and you've learned to trust yourself enough, you just simply disengage. Or you call it out what it is and you let it go. Um, and I've lost friends for that. Uh, sometimes people call me way too direct. I'm very direct. Um, I just... Why not? Why not be very direct? Why do we have to like beat around the bush? Uh, I struggle with people who who can't be, you know, that direct sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. But I definitely still have my reality circle. I have my few inner people um, who can validate my reality, who I can bounce ideas off of. And I can definitely, you know, reach out and, and be friends and support people no matter what stage of reality they're living in. Because you learn to do that as you get healthier. You learn to understand how to support people where they're at and how to reach people and and understand people and help people wherever they are at. So those were kind of the four steps that I took um, in healing this problem that I had with gaslighting in my life. Like I said, it's a generational thing for me. Um, I came by it honestly, if you want to say that. Um, But I definitely definitely learned. It was definitely a learned behavior. One that I became a very, very accustomed to. One that I also perpetuated. Um, one that I 
in my addiction was definitely would gaslight people as well in an effort to defend myself or to deflect or to uh, protect myself, I would say. It was definitely a survival behavior for a lot of reasons. But really learning to name the problem, validate my reality, build kind of that reality circle, that tribe, that trust, and then learn to make sacrifices, um, whether that's internal sacrifices, whether that's external sacrifices for things that don't allow me to live in reality. That might be some media. Maybe that's, you know, I spent a lot of time off of social media for a long time. Um, I really had to cut back on even just movies and things that I watched. I had to really, really strengthen my connection to reality uh, so that I couldn't be moved, so that I couldn't be manipulated and I couldn't be controlled in that way. So if that's where you're at today, if you're in a relationship, if this is a sad episode for you because you're starting to recognize, wait, I think that this might be... Um, a problem for me, a problem in my relationship. I'm sorry. I I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like to recognize that, wait, I am in a power dynamic here and I'm not winning. And I'm sorry that that's you. And I'm sorry that that's where you are. But I want to validate though, that you have a right to your reality and you have a right to your emotions And if this is where you are, you probably have been struggling with that for a long time and you've probably needed an escape. You've probably needed an addiction. You've probably needed something like a love or a sex addiction to escape um, this problem that you have, right? This this pattern that you have. Um, And you've probably lost touch with a lot of reality. And I want you to know that reality is worth fighting for. Uh, coming back to reality, learning to live in yourself and your identity and who you are is worth fighting for. Absolutely worth it. And it's a hard fight. It's a hard battle. It takes some sacrifices, but you can do it. You definitely can do it. And you can definitely get help while you do that. You're going to need help while you do it because this gaslighter has probably eaten away a lot at your um, self-confidence and your reality. And so you're going to need some help. And I'm happy to be one of those people to help you. You can get online, go to our Facebook page at Worth Recovery, um, Instagram, wherever you'd like, and share your thoughts, share your struggle, um, and let us help and support you as you try to figure out your way out of that. If gaslighting is not something that you struggled with, Good for you. I'm so excited for you. Okay. Um, That's awesome. But be aware. Know what it is. Understand it. Now that you know, you'll start to see it around you and you'll be able to point it out and you'll be able to confirm your commitment to reality. So I want you to know that no matter where you're at on that spectrum today, that no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter where you are in this very moment, that you are worth recovery. You're worth the fight. 100% worth it. I know that. And if you are struggling to know that, you can rely on me until you do. Remember that I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. I really do. All of you. Um, Until next time, Amy.
the legal stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.